It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. What's going on, Wizards fans? We are here for the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host tonight, Noah Getzel. The co-host is Bryna Kramer. We just watched the Wizards beat the Philadelphia 76ers here at Capital One Arena Sunday night. The Wizards improved to 36 and 25, sorry, 35 and 25, and snapped the Sixers' seven-game winning streak in the process. We're about to talk about um, how the Wizards were able to come up victorious after a huge uh, loss to Charlotte on Friday, and we're also going to discuss the defense that seems to ebb and flow all season and hasn't quite been consistent, but games like tonight where they hold the Sixers to 36%, you, you wonder why this can't happen all the time. So uh, real quickly, you can subscribe to the Locked On Wizards podcast on iTunes. You can follow us on Stitcher. Uh, we also post everything on SoundCloud and LockedOnWizards.com. And finally, you should follow Locked On Wizards on Twitter as well. And you can follow both of your hosts tonight, Brian K. 13, no underscores, right? It's Bryna's. Yep. And then I'm Noah underscore Getzel uh, if you want to follow me as well. So what do you think changed for the Wizards in terms of not allowing 122 points tonight <laughs> like they did against uh, the Hornets, but, you know, holding the Sixers under 100, they, uh, the Wizards won it 109 to 94 and really just couldn't let the shooters get into the rhythm. Um who was it, uh, J.J. Redick and uh, Marco Bellinelli were just 4 of 15 from downtown. And as a team, the Sixers hit just 9 of 33, which is 27%. What do you think changed about the Wizards' defense tonight? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that helped them with their defense was just the fact that they didn't have that many turnovers. I mean, they had, well, actually, looking at it, they ended up with 19 turnovers, which is kind of surprising. But um, at least they had they had a lot going in the first quarter, and then that at least slowed down significantly. Because I feel like if they had kept going with the turnovers, the rate that they were going in the first quarter, they probably would have been on pace for like somewhere close to thirty. Like it was pretty bad. Um, but they finally just really got the chance. They started locking down in the second quarter, and you know, stopped turning the ball over as much. They ended up um, 
you know, and that really affected how they played with their transition defense. Because once you end up turning the ball over, you don't usually get back on defense. Mm-hmm. And so then it just allows them to score quick points. Yeah. So I really think the fact that they kind of stopped turning as carelessly the ball over in the second quarter, I mean, they, it allowed them to get back on defense and lock down and really get these shooters out of the rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely where you get all of your easy buckets, points off the turnovers. Um, yeah. The Wizards turned it over 19 times, which is five more than their season average, 14 a game. And uh, the Sixers took advantage 31 points off those 19 turnovers. Uh, Beal had seven of those. He also had eight yeah. assists and a hyper-efficient shooting night. The Wizards as a team were 54% uh, from the field and hit 48% of their threes, 12 three-pointers. So great night offensively, uh, as yeah. Scott Brooks and other teammates have Mentioned time and time again that scoring and offense is never the issue with this team. Um, so Beal had 24 points, and then Porter uh, had a bunch of like buzzer beating, shot clock beating, like end of quarter three pointers. He ended up with 23 and also shot incredibly efficiently, yeah. 10 of 16. Beal was 9 of 14. I don't think he shot that well in any game. Not this in a year. while, yeah. I mean, and I think that the thing to note about Otto Porter was even though he was making all of those buzzer beaters, you know, whether it was at the end of a shot clock or at the end of a quarter, he that is probably the most quiet 23 points I've seen. Yeah. Like, I like it took me a second, like in the fourth quarter, I realized he had like 17 points. And I was like, wait, when did he get 17 points? Like, because everyone had been talking about Kelly Oubre and obviously Bradley Beal and Saturansky and, on Twitter. And then it was like all of a sudden Otto Porter had 20, 17 points. And mm-hmm. now he ended up the night with 23. I was like. Where'd that come from? But again, like that's something we need. Like he doesn't need to be super flashy about it, even though tonight he kind of was with his buzzer beaters. But like that's like a twenty three points that was super needed. But like I said, it was just like he's just a quiet assassin. Yeah, there was. I'm glad that he he looked healthy throughout the game too, because there was one play where I think he like went up for a block or something um, on the on the far end and totally just like got knocked out of bounds and fell awkwardly and looked like he took a second. He looked a bit shaken up, but he didn't leave the game or anything. He, you know, still yeah. was hitting his threes after that. So it's it's always good to see uh, Otto get up not shaken after falls like that because he has, you know, had a history of hip issues. Yeah. Let's talk about um, Kelly Oubre for a second. Yes, <laughs> so not only did he score 19 points and hit four three-pointers, he had three blocks um, and he was just playing menacing defense and to the point where he's like a cartoon villain almost. <laughs> uh, there were plays where he would like take uh, Ben Simmons' best shot, like running and and transition full speed. He'll just it's like a football collision between the two of them. And then like uh, Simmons got called for a charge, and then it looked like Ubrit got like totally wrecked, just like bulldozed by Simmons. He heard the whistle for a charge and saw the call and just started smiling. He's geeking, yeah. and then another play. I forgot why he got sent to the floor, but I think it was another picking up another charge or drawing Probably. another charge, and then he just, as he's done many times, he just starts like <laughs> pumping out a couple yeah. of pushups from the floor. Like he just when he's feeling it and he's going as well as he did in the first half, like he's enjoying it and he doesn't care what people think about him. Like you know, he always talks about this like wavy personality thing swag that he has, and I mean, like on nights like tonight when he's just feeling it. Like, he's really enjoying it out there. And, like, it makes it fun to watch. Like, this mm-hmm. is probably one of the most, at least mm, the second quarter. Let's put the second quarter, because I didn't have as much fun watching the end of the third quarter and into the fourth. But the second quarter, when the ball was moving as well as it was, and Uber was hitting all his three-pointers and having that fun, like, it just makes it, as a fan and as a spectator, it's just so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And someone mentioned on Twitter, like, 
the Wizards games are always a little bit more exciting because it's like an NCAA tournament type feel. You have this is just a knock at the Wizards fans, but right. like basically a third of the stadium is is teams from yeah, the other, you know, people from other uh, fan bases. Tonight was and, probably more like three fourths of the Philly fan base. Yeah, it, it, was, it was ridiculous. Loud. There were a lot of trust the process chants and it, Eagles chants. Guys, we're three weeks post removed from the Super Bowl. Philly fans aren't going to shut up. Until I know. October. Or probably until the next Super Bowl, um, when someone actually takes their title over. But like, guys, like, let's be real. Like, th- let's move on. Like, I'm nah, over the Eagles' chance. There's a whole chance. long off season. Nobody's gonna be quiet. I'm about over that. the Eagles' chance. That was it, well. Let's put it this way. I'm over the Eagles' chance in a basketball arena. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like you can enjoy it outside of a basketball arena, but like there was no place for it tonight. Like I was annoying as fuck. So <laughs> one bright spot for uh, the Sixers. They had a couple good performances, but Joel Embiid just looked like he could have his way with whoever was trying to guard him in the post. Uh, Marching Gort, uh, Embiid ended up with 25 points, 10 rebounds, uh, and 4 assists, 2 steals, a block, and he shot pretty efficient. He was 9 of 20, so a little bit up below his season average. But what did you think of Gortat, who posted a double-double, very quietly scoring again? Do you think his defense on him was formidable enough to, to get the job done. Yeah, no, I definitely think it was a really good effort by Gortat. I mean, yes, Embiid ended the night with a 25-10 double-double, but, like, he really had to work for every single one of those points that he scored. Like, they did not, like, whether it was just, whether, I don't know if it was necessarily just Gortat by himself or just the entire Wizards team, but Embiid really had to earn every little point in the box score, every rebound, every steal, like, we weren't giving it to him easy, and so credit, I mean, that also just goes, gives credit to Embiid for just, like, the incredible player that he is. Yeah. But, like, also good credit for the Wizards for making him earn everyone. It didn't come easy to him. Embiid's post moves are majestic. Oh my God. It's a thing of beauty. It's so, it's so fun to watch. Yeah. Ben Simmons, this was, you know, I think uh, there's been, what, one other home game against uh, the Sixers? Yeah. And... He is just like such a freak of nature, the way that he is so fast at six foot ten. And yeah. then like seeing him and, and Ubre squaring off, it was it was awesome. But I think like the the Sixers are a really scary team in transition. Yeah. And that, that the first quarter was all about, okay, the Wizards scored, but then they played zero defense and then, yeah. you know, those points were just erased. So yeah. uh, it was it was a good game. I would love to see I think this would be like a dream matchup in the first round. Really? You think, I think it's a dream matchup? No, I mean, it's not ideal. It would be fun to watch. Okay. From a spectator I perspective. Say, I was just about to say that. I was like, I don't think dream's the right word. I think it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be a very entertaining series. I don't think it's an ideal matchup in any sense. Especially because, like you were just talking about, Ben Simmons. Like, he, because of just how versatile a player is and his length at 6'10", like, how do we, like, it's hard. Like, yes, tonight we figured it out. But we, you know, we're, t- I think our series, I think we, tied the series 2-2 right so clearly it's not something that's been easy an easy matchup this season for the Wizards so going into a playoff series like it'd be interesting to see it for you know four games or seven games however long that series would go but it's definitely not an ideal matchup by any sense but it is a possibility I mean right now I think they are in the seventh seed or the sixth seed it's so tight you can move from three to seven I mean it's only like a it's like a one game difference so, I mean, we, this something could, it could very well be something we see in the first round, but it's definitely not ideal by any means. Yeah, the games between, uh, until the last two matchups, which were a bit more blowouts, Blowout-y. even though this this game 
seemed pretty close in the end. It got, you know, when it goes from like 24 points to 8 points, like the yeah, that Wizards fans weren't end of the quite third breathing quarter, easy. quarter, beginning of the fourth. I really thought at the beginning of the third quarter, and I tweeted out, I was like, oh, is this going to be the night where we see Ramon's sessions in garbage time minutes? Like, because it looked like we were going to get garbage time minutes, that the, re- the starters were going to get to sit out for most of the fourth quarter, if not the entire fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the third quarter, I don't even know what happened, but this game just kind of got real ugly. Sadoransky ended up having to start the fourth quarter. The starters came back at, like, the nine-minute mark in the fourth quarter. It was not pretty. Mm-hmm. Sadoransky, by the way, almost had a triple-double. Uh, right, seven, again, a quiet double-double. Seven double, points, or, like, quiet almost ten assists, double. and then uh, seven rebounds, too. Yeah, it's we're impressive. Gonna, we're going to take a real quick break from the Locked On Wizards podcast. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the inconsistent defensive effort of the Wizards and whether this will change at all in the final uh, 15 to 20 however many games are left in this regular season because it's it's been confusing, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. So stay tuned in right here to Locked On Wizards Podcast. We'll be right back. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found... Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, the hosts tonight are Noah Getzel, that's me, and Bryna Kramer, who is not me, but she's sitting right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so the Wizards uh, beat the the Sixers tonight, and this was perhaps, if not the best, it was definitely one of the best defensive performances Washington has, has shown all year. And it came a game after they allowed 122 points to the Charlotte uh, Hornets yeah. on, on Friday. And so uh, it makes sense that you're going to respond after you, like, absolutely come out with no effort whatsoever and Scott Brooks mentioned the post-game press conference like we needed to come out fiery we needed to be aggressive we had to attack the paint like you know last last game's performance just doesn't cut it in the NBA so do you think what what's going on with the Wizards defense why is it just mentality and wanting to play it or are there serious liabilities within the Wizards roster defensively. No, I really think it's just an issue of mentality and effort. Like, we've seen, I mean, because I think if there was a liability issue, we would not see games like tonight. Like, because, you know, when everyone really is locked in from, you know, 1 through 10, you know, because we play, yeah, we play, we had a lead bench rotation. So, yeah, 10, 1 through 10, like, everyone can play defense and play meaningful minutes, but... When things and I think it really do also I think on a game like tonight I think the offense really feeds into I think it's a I think when it comes to defense I think it really is a mentality thing but I also think it's also how the rest of the game is going because you know it's kind of the same thing like good defense turns into good offense but all good offense also turns into good defense mm-hmm. because when your offense isn't going and you're not making your shots even if you are taking good shots 
when they're not falling, you're going to be like, oh, man. And then you're kind of going to, like, slack back on defense. It's like, not the case for every team. When you think about the mid-2000 Suns, they, they played great offense. They never stepped up on defense. Right. <laughs> it's not the case for every team. But I do think that's the case for this team. Right. And I, sure. do, I think it's the case for this team, and I especially think it's the case for this team when it comes to the bench. I think the, the team defense, like the communication, has been a little bit better in terms of stepping over weak side and switching um, in recent games. And I think part of that is because not only offensively, but defensively as well, as well when you're missing your most talented player, John Wall, everyone has to kind of step up a little bit more. Yeah. And there will be so many plays where it's like, okay – this guy's going to get an easy layup. Nope, John Wall comes out of nowhere for a chase down block. Right. Randomly like plays in tune defense for stretches and just gets a steal like every single play out of nowhere and it's plays that, you know, 99% of other NBA players can't make. So, I think when you realize like okay, there's not really a second line of defense like we're right. not going to get a chase down block as often even though like Beal and Ubre play some legit D. I I think it it kind of lets everyone know like you know, we, we don't have our star on the court. Uh, everyone's got to play some better defense. But beyond that, like, Wall was very inconsistent defensively, too. He could be, I think, uh, Kobe challenged him over offseason. You've got to make all NBA first-team defense. Right. And there, there are stretches where he plays incredible defense, but other times where he is tired or not in the zone or whatever it is, like, Wall would be out of it, too. So, like, I think the yo-yo defense doesn't it, – it didn't – depend on like the, the tone that wall would set for the team right. and it's a little bit better now but like you'll still see lapses you know not every team's gonna come out hungry every game but it's 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 been the wizards downfall for what the past two seasons ever since randy whitman left uh, no I, uh, even when randy whitman was here our defense still wasn't that great yeah. our offense wasn't great either at least now like our offense is a lot like it's strong. It's consistent for the most part. But yeah, our defense well isn't that great. But it was better with women. But yeah, I think I think everything you just said is correct. And I think the thing about Wall though is I think part at least this season, yes, he did have a lot more defensive lapses than he had in previous seasons. But I think this season a lot of it had to do with his injury, even though he didn't mm -hmm. probably know it at the time. A lot of it had to do with his knee and his injury. And I think that even kind of you know, pushed into the rest of the team a little bit too, because when Wall keep was having those inconsistent times where, you know, it's hard for him to say, like, you know, like you said, he had those incredible moments of chase down blocks and whatever. And then he, you know, take the next couple plays off. Um, you know, that plays into the rest of the team as well, because then the rest of the team, when he isn't having those great moments on defense, then they kind of have to overcompensate and try to pick up what he should be picking up. And so I think it just, you know, it all overplayed into each other. And hopefully when Wall comes back, um, I mean, granted, it's going to be right close to the playoffs, but hopefully when Wall comes back, um, it'll be easier for the team to have this good ball movement, to have better defense, because they figured out how to do it without him. Mm -hmm. I think the whole, you know, and I think tonight was a big example. I saw a lot of talk on Twitter about, you know, people have been talking about, like, are the Wizards a better team without John Wall? The answer is no, but I think they will be an even better team with him. They're a better team without a hobbling John Wall. We can right. admit that. exactly. For sure. They're definitely a better team without a hobbling John Wall, but they're not a better team with they're not a yes. They are a better team. They with are, yeah, they are, the positive. Yes. Yeah. The Wizards have some really tough tests this week in terms of offensive yeah. firepower. Um, the Bucks, you know, the Wizards have lost their past two against the Bucks, and nobody can really slow down the Greek Freak. And then yeah. after that, uh, that's Tuesday. 
Wednesday night. Yeah, the very next day. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, next night, uh, they come back from Milwaukee, host the Golden State Warriors. Eh, They're an average offensive team. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Raptors, who the Wizards have had success against, two victories. But, like, of course, it's one of the best backcourts in the league, like Lowry and DeRozan. Right, and I think they're number one in the East right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we shall see what happens with this Wizards defense. Uh, Clearly a strong performance tonight and against another playoff opponent. And you'll just have to stay tuned to the Locked On Wizards podcast and yeah. as we break down the analysis of the rest of this busy week for the Wizards against other top playoff opponents. Real quick, I think off of that, an interesting note to kind of see how it plays into these this really tough stretch of games. All four of the games for this week, so starting with tonight through that game on Toronto, they're all on national TV. Mm. So the, pace, the Pacers after Toronto too? That'll be It's an ESPN game. Sunday? Oh, no, 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 no. So starting with tonight. Oh, I see, yeah. So starting with tonight, tonight was on ESPN, Tuesday's on TNT, Wednesday's on ESPN, and Friday's on ESPN. Do you think that matters? I think the Wizards care. I think John Wall killers. <laughs> but no, I think the Wizards care because I think, you know, granted, I mean, this season they've got a lot of press surrounding yeah. them, whether good or bad, but they've gotten a lot of press surrounding them. But I think they care. I don't think they want to come out and look like losers on like right well the people who when they say they like that the wizards can't back up the talk that they have you know this is their chance to show that like that's not the case and they don't want to come out proving everyone else right Mm -hmm. that they can't back up their talk another interesting note uh you mentioned ramon sessions he hasn't played at all and he was signed february 22nd uh he's yeah yeah, sorry (laughs) he was only on a 10-day contract which would be probably you know after this week's games and so it's probably through sunday it's a little bit interesting uh that the wizard like i understand why the wizards had to sign a point guard because they didn't know how soon tim frazier would be back from his nose surgery but he practiced before they signed him yeah figured that out so (laughs) it it just seems like a backup shooting guard which ernie grumfield said ron sessions can play shooting guard (laughs) It's like how many Brooks minutes? Said that too. Yeah, how many minutes did uh, Meeks get tonight? Uh, he played ten minutes. So okay, <laughs> ten he, minutes. He played more than I thought, but it it's just I don't know. It seems like there needs to be more depth in other places. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like Jason Smith doesn't play at all anymore. If for some reason, like small forward, the Wizards are pretty much set. But if there is an injury to Ubre or Porter. Like, there's, there's no one behind those two guys playing the small forward position. You could stretch maybe Mike Scott into into that role, but I don't, I don't know. It, 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 who knows what the Wizards are doing with their open roster spots, but Ramon Sessions hasn't made any contributions whatsoever so far. Right. And, like, I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit. You know, when you talk about the shooting guard position, I mean, there's Bradley Beal. Jody Meeks played 10 minutes tonight, and he actually had five, five points. Okay, not terrible. But, like, if you're talking about in terms of who on the Wizards bench is going to contribute more, I think Tim Frazier is a much better asset to keep than Jody Meek. So if you talk about shooting guard position, you really have Bradley Beal sometimes there, sometimes not Jody Meeks. So I really think you need a shooting guard. But I also understand your small forward point about, you know, if something happens to Uber or Porter, you're kind of screwed. So, but yes, I totally agree. But I also understand with them signing the point guard, like, You've kind of got – they weren't sure about Tim Frazier. You, you're technically playing your backup point guard at starter. Like, I understand why they signed a point guard, but, like, do I see Ramon Sessions at this point keeping, like, another – either 
either signing another 10-day contract or even signing for the rest of the season? I don't think so. No, he's he's expendable at this stage. Yeah, especially because, like I said, you haven't even gotten him any kind of run whatsoever. But. All right, back to a, what is it, nine-person rotation? One, two, three, four. Oh, never mind. They played 10. They played okay. 10. Yeah, that's what I was surprised. Yeah. But then, I mean, granted, they really only played six. Like, because look at the minutes for yeah. Tim Frazier. I mean, Yamahini and Mike Scott kind of played, but Tim Frazier only played 11 minutes and Jody Meeks only played 10. Right. So but they really had a smaller lineup. Some of the starters only need 10 minutes of a break in order to get the rest they need to yeah, be as effective I as guess. Possible. I mean, how many? Bradley played nobody, 37. Nobody played crazy minutes. Yeah. That's the most. That's not actually not that terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back uh, Monday night with another Locked On Wizards podcast previewing the Wizards matchup against the Bucks. So take it easy, everybody. I'm Noah Getzel. Brian Kramer was the co-host tonight, and that's all we got. Yep, and happy birthday. No, I know by the time listeners listen to this, it won't be your birthday anymore, but enjoy the big 2-7. I appreciate it. Enjoy the Wizards victory as well. Yeah, great birthday present. Good night, everyone. Okay, I got this come on this Bugatti. I'm strong in this Bugatti. Two V8 ain't no such thing as driving. Come in this Bugatti, bitch. I'm bad. I'm worse. I pass. The perp don't fuck with me, cause right now I'm higher than cap. Then perk, I swear I be the sickest nigga you can ask. The nurse ain't if you throw it in a bag, I bet I snatch. Her purse, okay, I spaz. I curse, you last. Hey Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.